Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday. Welcome to Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. I'm Dr. Linda marquez Gedine, and you probably noticed by now that there's I'm missing my co-host today, so I am going solo. However, you know, I still look forward to every single Wednesday because I learn a lot. I get to connect with some amazing people besides my co-host. However, um, things are always changing in life. So today we actually have a returning guest and I was trying to pull up all the information. I know you're going to be excited about this because personally, I, you know, that we do things are often naturally drugless and we encourage a lot of our patients to do that. Sometimes uh, medication is necessary, sometimes uh, intervention other than a natural way that I can provide um, is needed. So I usually refer a lot of my patients or practice members for that. So today uh, we are gonna talk all about hormones, okay? And I have Dr. Robert Yoho, actually he's a retired physician, had a very busy practice and um, as a plastic surgeon, however, his expertise, his knowledge and how he used hormones in his office and with his practice, I think is gonna give us a lot of information. If you have not read his book, Butchered by Healthcare, it is amazing. He also has Hormone Secrets, the book, but both are excellent, very informative. And he writes it for, it, it's, not, it's more for you to understand but also to kind of partner up with you because that's what health is all about. It's just about partnering up with, um, with the doctor. So if you have a doctor that's not listening to you, then it's time to find a new one. Anyway, so we're gonna bring Dr. Robert Yoho on, on right now and let's make sure we can see you. How you doing there? I, I'm fantastic and I, I really appreciate that kind introduction. Lynn Linda, you don't have to doctor me. Just call me Robert from now on. I am retired. And I have to interject this uh, unfortunate disclaimer, which is, you know, a legal thing because of all the lawyers we have hanging around. Um, this is not uh, meant to be uh, specific health care. You need to get a uh, licensed provider to help you with any medical problems you have and use this information at your own risk. That's about as broad a disclaimer as you can make. So I apologize for that, but, uh, and I believe in what I say, and I've had a, uh, you know, you'll see, I have 500 references in each book, but I ha I'm forced to say that. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. And the books are, I, I like to have patients say, you know, these are guides for you. You need to look at, you need to investigate both sides. And I think that's why, you know, I wanted to bring you on because, well, first of all, let's let's just define what are hormones because the way I define it to patients, I always say hormones are that's the language of communication with your body. Whether you want to lose weight, whether you want to sleep better, where you have sex drive, anti aging, energy. I mean, your body depends on hormones and for them to function at their optimal capacity. That, Linda, that's a great definition, and the thing that listeners should understand about hormones is we have 100 plus years of studying hormones and we know an awful lot about them and they are entirely different from 
these sometimes toxic proprietary drugs that are dreamed up by uh, big pharma. These things are absolutely natural in certain forms, in the forms you can obtain them. And that's why we call them bioidentical. They are identical to the exact substances found in the human body. They have exceedingly positive effects diffused properly. And the whole thing is being um, sort of concealed by the industry and the FDA, which is essentially an organ of in industry. It's just an extension of the industry because their, their pay comes from industry. Um, and so the bioidentical hormones can't be patented with a few exceptions. So they're not massively profitable for big pharma. So that that's sort of the uh, brief introduction. I, I, I will supply, you know, in this book, I supply the evidence based on almost a century in m most cases of uh, experience with these drugs, a century's worth of study, over a century for thyroid. Uh, it's like 120 years of, of studying thyroid. It's crazy. And uh, these things are still run down and the uh, proprietary uh, substitutes, which in many cases are outmoded or are uh, inferior, are uh, promoted instead by the by the patent manufacturers. Mm -hmm. So let's let's unpack the thyroid one first, because that is probably one of the most common prescribed um, hormones as far as you know, I see in the practice and I can't prescribe it. However, as I mentioned earlier, I do refer out whether it's a naturopathic doctor, an integrative practitioner that they can. And when it's necessary, because it's not always necessary. However, it can save your life and make your life better because the thyroid, of we know it's the master gland. I always call it the master gland, the fat burning gland in the body that really is like the CEO and how everything else is working. So can you share a little bit that, about that? That's another excellent characterization. It's the master and commander of the whole system. And a thyroid uh, is a bit more difficult to prescribe properly than the other hormones. The other hormones, you can almost go in a table, look up what to uh, prescribe and get excellent results, um, you know, 90 plus percent of the time. But for thyroid, things have to be adjusted and it is possible to use a little too much. Um, but the hormone doctors, the people who are specializing in this now believe that a third of women over 40 would benefit greatly from some, at least a small amount of thyroid. And um, the endocrinologists who we have to respect as having the most uh, training and experience in this area, um, they often are, they, they have they take quite a different view. And they think that only, only smaller or uh, limited amounts of thyroids thyroid hormone replacement is appropriate. Now, they these guys and women have a conflict of interest, and that's because their society has been paid millions and millions of dollars every year by the patent or formerly patented um, thyroid uh, medication called Synthroid mm -hmm. and other patented T4s. Now, thyroid is basically two different um, hormones, T4 and T3. T4 has four iodines and T3 has three. I'm sorry to jump into the weeds on this one, but you, you've got to get some basics down if you want to mm -hmm. understand it. And I, I wrote it up. I'm sure it's easier to understand in, in hormone secrets than what I'm going to say. Uh, but, you know, of course, I, so the endocrinologists usually prescribe only T4. And unfortunately for their patients, T3 is the more um, uh, powerful and more, um, uh, uh, more, more physiologic and more 
effective hormone. Now, in theory, the T4 gets transformed into T3, mm -hmm. but that's just not the case in many in, in, for many people. And T3 has to be prescribed. Now, we had uh, or we have uh, pork thyroid, which uh, has been run down by industry because it's so cheap to produce. You just take the thyroids out of pigs and you put them in pellets. And it, it has been used since the late 1800s effectively for thyroid disease. And it's still probably the best thyroid medication, although T, it, it contains both T3 and T4 with some mm -hmm. inconsequential pork thyroids. Uh, now, um, so it is possible to give T4 and carefully adjust the amount of T3, um, and both are given as a synthetic form, but, um, it's easier to start off with uh, pork thyroid in most cases. Now, this is individual and is very stylistic and medicine is an art, especially for thyroid. Um, but if someone um, just checks your tests and says uh, you're fine and you don't feel great, you probably want to pass on this person and go on to the next provider because there are there is a, there are a lot of people with uh, some degree of expertise in giving thyroid. And this thing, once you get tuned, in other words, you get your exact dose down of the T3, T4 combination, or perhaps the exact dose of porcine or pork pig thyroid that you need, you can stay on that stuff for years and just possibly get checked once a year with just a, a little um, checkup where they ask how you feel, whether your energy level is okay, whether you, you're having any palpitations or anything like that. And that may be all you need and you can cruise for years. But um, patients who get started with thyroid should be patient with their doctors up to a certain point. And if you don't feel good after two to three months, you, you may want to skip on to the next one. After all, there are a million of us in the United States. You yeah. can get another doctor pretty easily. And I, I have um, ways you can find people who are expert in this sort of thing in the back of my book. And and the interesting thing, and because I have a free ebook on my website about a lot of like you, you were sharing, most doctors don't even test properly. So you've got to make sure the TSH, free T3, free T4. I'm seeing so much Hashimoto's right now that the, you know, even reverse, um, reverse T3 antibodies are also checked. So, I mean, that's like the first step. If your doctor's not willing to to run those labs. And of course you have to make sure vitamin D levels, ferritin, you know, iron, B12. Uh, and in addition, because those are also important with thyroid function, I'm like, run, you have to find, but the beauty of it nowadays, you can go on, you can actually, you don't need a doctor's, um, you don't need a doctor's uh, prescription to go um, get lab work done, a lab order. You might pay a little bit more, but is it worth it? Because at least you can have the information, you can have the results. And like you said, look for a doctor that's willing to prescribe, just not you know, just not the T4 hormone, but the combination, sometimes they, they do better with T3, or maybe they just do T4, and then they supplement with the T3 and and, and just dosing. And it is art, because um, I, I see that a lot with patients. But women, especially when they go through menopause, their thyroid starts to downregulate. And I've seen that a lot in just running full labs. And you probably saw that in your practice a lot with women that maybe they were depressed and they felt, oh, if I go and get breast implants or I do this with my yeah, body, exactly. I'm going to feel great. I'm going to feel sexy. And they're still depressed. And or and even like their cholesterol levels could be elevated as well. So then you put two and two together. It's like, hmm, maybe we need to run and see what the, the thyroid is doing. 
Linda, that's a very sophisticated analysis, and it's it's maybe more sophisticated than what I said in the book. And <laughs> I would maintain that uh, the TSH, if it, we're into the weeds a little bit here, so let me uh, explain one little crazy thing about thyroid. The TSH is a reverse measure of where your thyroid is at. It's nonspecific, and it's it basically is not a very good test. And if we use that, like the endocrinologists do, to to uh, monitor thyroid care, we get confused. What we need is a measure of T3 and T4. And we want to watch mm -hmm. those, push those up near the top of the normal range. Mm -hmm. And and then we usually get a very good clinical response. The patient has to be watched like a hawk because the thyroid is, it can cause problems. But the problems the endocrinologists are afraid of are primarily Graves' disease, which is 3% of the population. And they, Graves' disease is a situation where the thyroid goes crazy and produces too much thyroid hormone, and it can't be easily turned off. It requires several months of therapy with different kinds of uh, suppression drugs. And during that time, um, patients can get uh, significant complications such, such as osteoporosis and atrial fibrillation. But this is these things are just not a problem with oral thyroid supplementation for low thyroid. Because mm -hmm. if you take too much of the darn stuff, you're not going to feel very well and you'll throw it in the trash, you know, or <laughs> your endocrinologist or your or your primary care doctor or your hormone doctor can say, cut your dose down and uh, be sensible about this thing. So mm -hmm. I, I, I would uh, recommend that uh, patients always be patient with the process. And if you don't think like think that you're going anywhere appropriate, if you if you're not feeling gradually better, um, get get another get another physician or or nurse practitioner or whatever. Yeah, I've had I've had great success with referring out to a lot of um, nurse practitioners more than endocrinologists. Yeah, yeah. they focus on it. The endocrinologists yes. are too busy looking at their billing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I love I love what your perspective on all that is, too, with, you know, the importance of the thyroid, because say to you, that has to be dialed in. And so let's because I see a lot of women and we have a lot of um, females, it seems like they're the ones that are just really searching. They, they know that something's just not right, especially they start getting into their age of like 40s, you know, it's just like the, they're getting close to that empty nest syndrome, even in, in their 50s as some women. So let's talk about hormone replacement therapy, because that's very controversial. And I my perspective and my opinion about that 10, 15 years ago has totally changed from now. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, um, as you were saying in, in your book, how did you, there's just a lot of evil speaking about it because um, one, because of the women's health initiative with these women getting cancer and you know, so can you kind of let's unpack that a little bit because there's natural, you know, our bioidentical is really natural. And a lot of women, because I remember my mom, they were prescribing Provera to her. Yes. And so can you chat a little bit about okay. that? So you, you brought up about five or six questions. If I go I off know. the track, just let me know. But um, if evil is not something, I, I try not to use that word, but corruption is the word I use. And this go. is my other book about medical corruption. And the Hormone Secrets book is a considerably happier book, but you, I still have to address why these drugs are suppressed. Now, we can't, we can't, uh, there's nobody, nobody's actually actual fingerprints on the 
on the uh, crime, right? And it is a crime, and I'll explain that in a second. But it it sure looks like the big pharma is benefiting because they sell all these expensive antidepressants and all this other crazy stuff that hardly works at all. And the best introduction to this, the thing that will achieve credibility for your listeners, for me, is uh, Alzheimer's. Now, women who start on estrogen at the time of menopause and stay on estrogen cut their chances of Alzheimer's by a massive amount. Some studies suggest 80% decreased in Alzheimer's cases if they get on estrogen and stay on the darn estrogen. Now, this this is not widely known, but it was it's it's such a burning issue in my opinion because Alzheimer's might be the most expensive disease in America if you count long-term care costs. This, yeah. this is outrageous. So I stuck 75 references in Appendix C of this thing, and I printed them in the book because I wanted everybody to understand this one point. And if you understand this point and you understand how this has been, this idea has been suppressed in favor of drugs that cost a thousand or two thousand dollars a month and don't freaking work, or at least even their even their inventors have a hard time claiming with a straight face they work very well. These mm-hmm. are the Alzheimer's drugs, right? The big pharma mm-hmm. Alzheimer drugs. So, so just with with that brief introduction, um, yes, I, um, I, I was a cosmetic surgeon, and many plastic surgeons operate on a string of depressed patients without even considering why they were depressed, right? And wow. so I couldn't stand to do that because I had some primary care background. And so what I did was I trained and learned about and then started prescribing bioidentical hormones, you know, which, I mean, that's, that's an all good story. And the fact that it's controversial is an industry suppression story. In other words, it's, it's between the FDA, which has stuck these black box warnings, false black box warnings on progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone for heart disease, strokes, and cancer, I mean, it's it really is truly outrageous because it's a pack of lies from start to finish, with a few small exceptions which you have to learn about. But uh, I, I I prescribed hormones, and I I got to tell you, this is not politically correct, but I saw better results in women than men. Now, most of my, most of my patients, of course, are women, but the results were nothing short of miraculous because women fall off a hormonal cliff at fifty, a lot of them, and they mm-hmm. just feel terrible, even though. Many of you guys are tough enough to to uh, to power through it and act pretty well despite horrible symptoms. And I mean, I saw many, many tough women who I didn't understand what agony they were in until they filled out my questionnaire. And everything everything on the questionnaire was on the far left side of the, you know, feel terrible, no sex, mu- muscles are wasting, you know, all this stuff, you know, uh, not so alert, sleepy all the time, depressed. And they would tune up in a few weeks and I used the cheapest hormone therapy because I did it for free. Right. I felt so sorry for him. I, I, I asked him if they were interested, told him about it. And of course, if they weren't, I don't argue, you know, I try not to argue with women. I usually lose. Yeah. But if they, if they, uh, if they wanted a trial, I told him it would probably help them recover from surgery because the, the drugs are anabolic. They help surgical recovery. So mm-hmm. I gave them a tiny little testosterone pellet that lasts three months or two and a half months through their belly button where they can't see the scar. And within a couple of weeks, they'd be back in follow-up and they'd be transformed. I mean, their spirits and their 
even their sexuality and their, you know, and they would find out later that they, they felt a lot better in a lot of spheres. So that sold me. And it wasn't expensive for me to do. I was doing a surgery anyway. The pellet cost 20 bucks. And uh, I just, if, if they consented to it, I would, um, I would give them a trial of that therapy after the surgery. And it, it made a huge difference. The men, of course, we get the dwindles over 50 or over 40 or whatever it is. And it's a slow slide. But the women, it's, it's, it's just super dramatic. And if they got testosterone injections and they were willing to do that, that cost a dollar a week. It's, it's mm -hmm. free, you know? So yeah. I, the, we, why this stuff is being um, ignored, I mean, it's an outrage. It really is an outrage because it works. It helps health, probably makes us live longer. And uh, I mean, it's, it's super dramatic. So, you know, even in addition to, to hormones though, I, I really think that we need to kind of address this because even in the state of, in light of everything that's happening in this world right now with COVID and who is it really impacting? We really have to also look at lifestyle. I'm, I'm such a big proponent, always have been of diet and exercise. Gosh, since I was a teenager, you probably remember Jack Elaine because I yeah. always ask yeah, people, yeah. so do you remember Jack Elaine? You know, it's just like, <laughs> he was one of my mentors. That's why I've always implemented diet and exercise. And so even with a lot of the, the women and the men that I've seen in the practice, you know, I said, Hormones by themselves, even with for some people, because they, they would say, well, it didn't work. It's not working. I'm like, well, are you still doing these other changes? What about your mindset? Are you getting your sleep dialed in? Do you have a good attitude? You know, are you eating cleaner? Because, you know, hormones also, they like, as we mentioned earlier, they are the language of communication. And, and we have to realize that environment also plays a role. And, you know, the body is always, I would say the body is always listening to the mind. So we can even create a lot of issues with ourselves, just with our mindset alone. So is that something that you would also, you know, tell your patients as well? It's just like, just because you're taking testosterone, like some men, they're still eating crap and they're still eating all this sugary stuff. And then we have aromatization and you got men with man boobs. So was that something that you mentioned a lot with your patients with you're, working you're, with them? You're sophisticated. And you've, again, you've touched on a whole lot of stuff. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I've got a chapter on diet and hormone secrets and the, the, FDA is probably responsible for our obesity epidemic. You probably haven't heard that anywhere else, but the FDA has advocated these high carbohydrate diets for 30 years, along with some other three letter government organizations. You know, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. Right. And so the high carbohydrate diets and the lack of animal fat and animal protein in our diet probably has been almost as bad a thing as all the, all the nasty drugs, half of which don't work or are actually harmful. And the FDA is responsible because they are in the pockets of these industries. It's a regulatory capture situation mm -hmm. where, where the, uh, the, 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 regula the regulatory is captured by the economic interests. I mean, it's really crazy. Yeah. All this approval of this fake vaccine, you know, it means absolutely nothing. There's no science behind it. And it is part of the regular regulatory capture thing. They're, they're paid off by these pharma companies who are producing this thing, mm -hmm. you know, and, so diet and exercise, that's the question. And of course, diet is critical. And I think if we can get away from our carbohydrates, increase 
the saturated fats and increase the animal fats, which have now been proven to decrease heart disease and cut out as much of the carbohydrates if we can. If you're, if you're really fat, you better just go on a straight keto diet and cut out all carbohydrates because it works. You know that, don't you, Linda? Yes, absolutely. And, And so as far as exercise goes, it helps. But in my opinion, in order of importance, it's, you know, it's hormones or diet and then exercise is secondary because if you get your hormones right you i very few people don't respond to this i i'm you, you know you can have other issues maybe you really can, you really are have a psychiatric issue of some kind but for the most part people who think that they have psychiatric issues at the time of menopause they think they have existential issues they think they have they think they have uh, situational issues. They're absolutely wrong because all they need is a little freaking testosterone pellet Mm -hmm. and maybe some progesterone and, you know, the other hormones, vitamin D. Um, So uh, that's my answer to that. I think that exercise is a distant third, but it's also important. I mean, it's in your top three. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about progesterone, because even let's just say because there's some women that they will are like, I don't want anything in my body. However, progesterone, I mean, gosh, that has been a lifesaver for so many women. And um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that in respect in respect to some women that um, use it as a part of their cycle because they're getting a lot of hot flashes, PMSE, mood swings. And then the woman that let's just say now is in menopause and hasn't had a period for two years. So for the woman, I mean, because you would use it differently and it's not too late, even for the woman that's been suffering for, let's say, two years with the headaches, the uh, just all the PMS that's now into menopause and they just don't feel like themselves. Can you unpack a little bit about the progesterone? Progesterone is critical. Uh, Now some clinics use only testosterone and that's okay. It's not as important, but if you get estrogen, you have to take progesterone if you have a uterus because it does increase the, the estrogen increases slightly your chances of uterine cancer. That's the only, one of the only caveats with bioidentical hormones. Along with, if you take testosterone, your man, you can get impotence. I'm, I'm sorry, you can get infertility and your testicles shrink and a few other things. But that's one of the only important caveats with hormones. Other than that, it's almost totally safe. Now, progesterone, the quantity almost doesn't make any difference. You can take eight or 10, 200 milligram progesterone every day, and it's not going to hurt you at all. You treat yourself to symptomatology. And if you're having trouble sleeping and you're menopausal, you take that stuff at night and take it until you don't have any trouble at all. And you're sleeping through the night. You're not groggy in the morning. Um, And progesterone, it protects against um, uterine ovarian cancer. Um, It has many other positive effects. And um, it's, it, uh, it, it's the calming part of the hormones. It, it, it mellows you out and may, it turns you back into, um, the younger woman that you used to be if you are, um, you know, if you're postmenopausal. 
So it, it's, it's, it's super important. There's two kinds of progesterone available from the compounders, the micronized kind, which does cause sleepiness and should be taken mm -hmm. at bedtime. And then there's the suck and swallow uh, trochee, which is a melt in your mouth uh, kind of a thing with different flavors. So if you're, if you're getting, if you need to take it during the daytime, because you're so cranky, um, you know, and that's what you measure it against. Um, you can, you can take these things throughout your day as sort of pacifiers and you'll, you'll feel like you did 10 or 20 years before. I mean, you'll feel mm -hmm. fine because your progesterone levels are higher. These levels should be checked of estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. And as Linda mentioned, you can get these over the counter. You can bring these to your provider and the, where you get them over the counter is lifeextension.com. You pay your couple hundred dollars and they give you a lab slip and you go into a local blood drawing station and then they email you the results. Um, so, um, so that that's progesterone in a, in a short nutshell. Okay. So is there a time where it's too late for a woman to start hormone therapy? Well, that's one of the fictions that has been developed by industry, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's too late. The results, the results are not as dramatic if you're 65 and you're starting as when you're 50. Um, but, and there, there may be some theoretical problems, but the problems are tremendously outweighed by the good that it does. And these are the people who need the protection more. They need the estradiol protection against heart disease. And, uh, just because they're more likely to have a heart attack overall doesn't mean that they shouldn't start it. So that's my opinion. There's other opinions out there, but I, I mean, my I mean, I've read an awful lot of st this stuff and I, I really believe that you should start and continue bioidentical hormones from menopause or after menopause for the rest of your life. If you want to do the best that you possibly can, you certainly don't want Alzheimer's. So you, you try to prevent that by starting it long before. Yeah. And that's a whole different conversation in there with Alzheimer's and type three diabetes. And <laughs> you know, yeah, what? Yeah. that's a whole different conversation. Um, there was also a, a couple other questions I, I had here with, um, uh, you know, I've really been digging into a lot of the hormone replacement, um, a lot of just going on websites, following doctors. Can you share a little bit? Because this is not really talked about a lot. Yes, we hear a lot about, okay, estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, especially a lot of women that, you know, those are the three, they say the, the amazing trio. But what about growth hormone? Well, growth hormone, it may be our best hormone of all. I mean, it may have life prolonging and health pro uh, improving properties, but growth hormone has been made almost impossible to prescribe and it's outrageously expensive. And I mean, it, it just, that's another sad situation and it requires injections. So it's a little bit more of a hassle, but you can use a 30 gauge needle. Um, I mean, we've had it for 50 years, roughly, and including mm -hmm. cadaver growth hormone, which had a problem um, because it rarely, but sometimes uh, communicated an infectious disease called prion disease. But for, the, I mean, probably for 40 years, we've had uh, synthesized human growth hormone, the same as it is in our body. Um, but there have been... Uh, statements by the FDA that's illegal to prescribe in, in non, uh, you know, there's a few, uh, approved indications. So this is, this is the prescription of an approved drug for a non-approved use, right? Which is probably half the drugs we prescribe are prescribed just like that. Uh, but, um, and there, there were rumors that have been propagated that 
it causes cancer. Well, we have a study of about 7,000 patients which refuted this, right? So growth hormone is probably the safest one of all. It can produce a little hand swelling if you start going too fast and you can get a carpal tunnel syndrome. Um, but I mean, that's about it. I mean, it's, it's super safe. And uh, some people don't seem to benefit that much. Uh, it may be subtle, but other people really, it really helps them. It improves their health in many ways, including their muscular uh, development and their, um, you know, their alertness and a lot of other things. When is it mostly prescribed then as, I mean, we, we hear, of course, with uh, bodybuilders, you know, but kind of excluding them out. When is usually growth hormone, you know, for what reason? Is this some, a person that their health is on a decline, a um, person dealing with weight issues? When when do you see that mostly in the indication for growth hormone to be prescribed, if well, a person can afford it? <laughs> it's, approved, it's approved for AIDS wasting and little else. I mean, it's just, it's hmm. an outrageous situation. You can still get a hormone doctor to prescribe it for aging, but it's, again, it's off-label use. And... Um, sometimes it's not too dramatic. You know, you can, you, they can get started on it and they don't, don't even feel it for a few months. But I have some friends that have been on this stuff. They're in their eighties. They've, it's, they've been on it for 15 years. And I think they made it makes a huge difference in their, their performance and their sexuality. These guys are still working. I mean, they're, yeah. Okay. It, it's you. another drug like testosterone that has been smeared by these doping allegations, right? Because of mm -hmm. course the bodybuilders and performance athletes use related compounds and it's been made a schedule three drug, which means it's, a, it's watched very carefully. And it, the, the, uh, Senate and the, uh, the Senate hearings that accompanied the, this, uh, transformation, um, you know, the FDA, the AMA and several other agencies testified that, um, testosterone, for example, was, virtually harmless and had many important medical uses, but they still made it a schedule three drug. And it has to do with the politics and this uh, something they can grandstand about, you know, such as the sporting use, which, mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to understand that, um, strength athletes use doses of testosterone, which are 10 times to 20 times. They start at 10 times the replacement dose that somebody like me might use, uh, mm -hmm. it's 10 times. So that's a lot of freaking injections every week. Um, and then they go up from there and they do get gynecomastia because their estradiol levels go crazy. And they use these hormone blockers, which are really shouldn't be used for anybody. I, you know, for them, maybe it makes sense for a short period of time, but they typically end up getting the, the tissue cut out. So they don't have any more problem with it. Estrogen is good for men. It prevents Alzheimer's and prevents heart disease in men, just like it does for women. And it has this additional benefit of preventing prostate cancer. So mm -hmm. when they, when men take testosterone, it gets broken down to estrogen. And that has a, a very positive effect on the chance of you developing and getting bad prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to ask this question. I mean, I can chat with hours for, and just sit down and have a steak with you and <laughs> chat about hormones, but I often get this question with, um, and you, and you touched on it a little bit with hormones. If a woman has had like a hysterectomy at such a young age, so you, I've seen that more common now than, you know, 50 years ago, we're seeing women because, you know, there's heavy bleeding, there's other things that aren't looked at where, you know, I mean, hysterectomy, in my opinion, and what I've seen in the practice is, um, 
when I work with a lot of women, I'm like, we get your blood sugar under control, we get your liver detox pathways under control, we get your stress under control, and they're their um, menses are just more normalized and they're not heavy. They're not as heavy, but most of the time the hysterectomy is there for the purpose of because of the heavy bleeding and estrogen dominance. So what if a woman has a, a partial or full hysterectomy? Um, are, are hormones appropriate? Gosh, this is really... It, it, hysterectomies are massively overused. Okay. Mm -hmm. the, we, we cut out the uteruses of a third of our women before they're 60 years old, same number for C-sections. I mean, basically the gynecologists are off the, off the rails altogether. The sweet spot for C-sections is probably 12% for mm -hmm. the best mother's survival. Right. But we, we cut out, we, we do a third of these things as operations. Now, hysterectomies are easier to perform if you cut out the ovaries along with the, with the uterus. They are, they pay a little more too. So this is commonly done. And even if the hysterectomy is done preserving one or both ovaries, and frequently these guys will only preserve one because it's easier and they claim it's just as good. The ovary is frequently damaged. And I have many times seen a hysterectomy performed in the early 30, early forties or late thirties. And these women are in shocking terrific menopause, obviously by their symptoms. And when I check their, their, uh, hormones, they're zero. And I, mm -hmm. I'm forced to stick them on, uh, um, hormone replacement, which turns them into the girls they were right before. And they're, it's, they're fine. So of course you think about hormone replacement if a woman's had a hysterectomy because many times their ovaries are either damaged or they've been removed altogether. It's, you know, no one tells a man that he needs his balls cut off at any point. <laughs> and for some reason, we think it's cool with women and uh, mm -hmm. it destroys their sexuality, send them into menopause early. It, it destroys their, you know, their intellects go earlier. I mean, it's, it's a sad scene and it's not really looked at too much because you mentioned the women's health initiative study that crazy thing, it was a billion dollar study. And mm -hmm. that was, it was, it was steered into the bushes by the, the people who did the study in order to make some sort of uh, media splash. And they claimed that these hormones were evil, right? And they studied these outmoded hormones, the horse urine estrogen and the, the chemical progesterone. And they, they saw a few problems. They rarely, they had a few rare cancers and some of the symptoms weren't so good, but I mean, those things overall are net positive, even, even though they're not as good as our modern hormones. And by the time that study was published, those things were totally outmoded and those drugs should never be used for long-term care. They have their uses for acute situations like a lot of bleeding, uh, but for long-term care and, and, you know, the outrages, they're still being advertised with direct-to-consumer advertising. There's only two countries in the world that do that. So... Okay. So sorry, sorry, I went off on a rant or a tangent, Linda, go ahead and bring me back to where you, what you're interested in. No, about the safety for some women, because some, you know, that have had uh, the hysterectomy at such a young age. And then of course, for, for some also, you had mentioned earlier too, that um, maybe hormones aren't uh, for everyone, you know, well, it, what's that small percentage or that hormone okay. replacement so, is, there are men who preserve their testosterone levels at a thousand into their sixties and even into their seventies. It's not that common, That's but impressive. they don't need, yeah, they don't need, 
testosterone replacement. They can use vitamin D, of course, which is mm-hmm. a steroid hormone too. And, you know, DHEA and other hormones, maybe a little bit, but it's not as critical for them. But for virtually every woman, particularly a woman who's had a hysterectomy, they should be followed carefully for hormone deficiency and they will do better and live longer if they get replaced. I mean, it, it, and they'll feel much better. And I, the drama that I've seen with, you know, and the reason why I use those testosterone pellets, I mean, women like testosterone pellets because they get very even levels of testosterone. And for some reason it makes them feel good. It feels, you know, there's not an up and down. If you get an injection once a week, there's a little bit of an up and down or even a cream, but, with those, with, they, with those pellets, they couldn't stop doing it. They couldn't change their mind about agreeing to the, the therapy. If they agree to get it, they're, they're on for the ride for three months. And mm-hmm. so they, most of them understood by the end of the three months, the whole thing was really good for them. And mm-hmm. uh, so, I, I mean, I, again, I can't sell, I, I, you know, you shouldn't sell anything in medicine. You should explain it and let the yeah. people make their minds up. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of the, the doubters um, were willing to, to do a trial of that. And at the end of a few months, they they were they, they understood how good it was for them because they felt better. And if you want an index of how you're doing medically, don't look to some stupid laboratory test. You want to you want to check yourself and see how you feel, how you're responding to exercise, mm-hmm. whether whether your body and your, your spirits are working right. I, I think that's a, a good way to gauge that because so many times doctors are treating the lab and not the patient and you have to look at it as a whole. And that's that I have just been screaming about that with patients all the time. It's like, you know what? Thyroid's such a big example. Like they're only, my thyroid's fine. I'm like, well, what did they check? TSH and maybe free T4. You can't say that your thyroid's fine. You've got to do all this other testing. That's why I have a list even on my website of all the labs that we require from all our new patients so that we can get a a pretty good snapshot of what's going on with them. So this has been really interesting, very informative. Definitely going to use this as a reference for for people to get educated. First of all, one, um, thyroid if you mentioned a lot of women will be on some sort of thyroid uh, hormone because one we're we're seeing so many thyroid issues and it is because I think uh, a diet lifestyle a lot of environment there's so much with that number two the thyroid uh, function also depends also there's kind of like that dance even with estrogen and then of course estrogen and, and progesterone and testosterone and it's just like there's a whole dance with all those and how they impact thyroid and vice versa so I think it's really important for for people to and women and men to really realize where they are with all their levels so I think it's important that the proper testing number one and number two to seek out a, a, a practitioner that is knowledgeable um, in, in the testing and also is going to monitor you because I've, I've had patients that they're on um, they're not on progesterone but they're on on estrogen and testosterone I'm like how could you not be on progesterone if you're and you've been having this for how many years and that just you should be on progesterone even if you don't even if you don't have a uterus you should be on progesterone because it has separate effects that are very positive 
Got it. And so that's always also, and then just know where your levels are engaging. How are you feeling as well? And having that open communication with the practitioner that is prescribing, whether it's a nurse practitioner, a naturopathic doctor, medical doctor, to just have that communication with them and say, hey, I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling great or this is happening and not be embarrassed about it because a lot of times Women don't ever want to want to say that I'm depressed because, you know, we can do it all. We're super women. You know, we've had babies. So, you know, They're we're, yeah, it's yeah. like we, I, I'm a prime example. I don't, I don't like to ask for help in certain areas of my life, but you know, it's, it's nonsense because what I have learned now, especially, you know, I have a doctor that helps me, even though I I know what I'm doing and I work with so many patients. It's always great to have someone else to kind of have that bird's eye view of what's going on with you, you know, because we don't we'll never admit that we're wrong, <laughs> you know, or that we need help. That's very difficult. But I loved how you just kind of unpacked everything and the importance of thyroid, progesterone, testosterone. Um, um, estradiol particular, and even hitting a little bit on the uh, DHEA and the growth hormone, because that is important and, and, you know, how it's administered. So one more quick question before we leave. I know this is a lot, but I think a lot of the, um, the women's health initiative, a lot of that was because of the synthetic hormones versus natural and the bioidentical is what you're saying, those are natural and they can't be patented. Is that correct? Well, there are, you know, the uh, companies have gotten around the patent thing in a few small instances. They're allowed to patent certain doses. So if you can find a patented version of these things, it's fine, but it's generally insanely expensive. So we, we've we turned to the compounders who are probably 5% of the um, pharmacies in the United States now. And they, they often produce excellent quality products and your provider like you can mm -hmm. tell your patients which compounders has done a good job. You've tested levels on people before and so on and so forth. I just want to bring mm -hmm. out one more important point. 99% of the time in my experience, or maybe 90% of the time, if you're having trouble with your hormones, it's because you're not taking enough. That's a really hard thing to get through anybody's head because of all this negative publicity. Uh, now, the exception, of course, is thyroid. You can take way too much of thyroid. Mm -hmm. But if you get your thyroid tuned, it is it, it even helps your sexuality. I mean, it 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 helps women's sexuality in a big way if, if it's just right. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Where can people find you and where's the best place to get your books? I'd rather support you than Amazon. Well, that's very <laughs> kind of you. Now you can get my books on every platform. If you like to buy books anywhere else, a Amazon, you know, for all their pr problems. And I, I, I'm not fond of Amazon. The, you can find this book on Amazon. You can find butchered by healthcare on Amazon. You can go to robertyohoauthor.com and you can download the first half of each book. And you can also download the first half of the audio for each book. So that's a good start. And you can learn a lot just from that. Yes. And doctor does mean teacher. You will always be a teacher. And I think it's a great way for people to learn. Um, I haven't been listening to you. You're in my, you're in my head. <laughs> well, that's very kind. It's wonderful. I love, I love audio books, but I also like to, get books and just highlight and make copies of certain pages for patients and pass it on say here, you need to get this book, but in this section, this is what I found. So 
Thank you so much. There's so much amazing information. It's really going to help a lot of people just, you know, make a decision, but um, really learn how to choose the, the right person to work with. So uh, thank you so much, Doc. I really appreciate it. I know you told me, don't call you Doc. You're still to me, doctor. <laughs> okay. because we're teaching. You're still going to be teaching all these years, no matter what. And I just, I love what you're doing. Um, you know, you've retired now, but I think you're probably busier even now than when you were working because busy. your passion yeah. for just really helping people and getting the truth out there. And I really want to acknowledge you for that because some people will just be still and be quiet and not say anything. And, you know, when, when we're out there speaking and sharing the truth, yeah, the people are going to throw rocks at us and going to criticize, but you know, at least we're out here trying to do something positive and leave this place a better world. So that's, I want to acknowledge you for that. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. We'll see everyone next week. And thanks for joining us and have a great day and make it a good one. See ya. Bye.